Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the Lymphoma Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Reed Merriman from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, US. Hi, my name is Reed Merriman. I'm an instructor of medicine at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. And I take care of patients with lymphoma and my clinical uh, research interests are in Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I'm particularly interested in using circulating tumor DNA as a prognostic biomarker and hopefully in the future as a tool that can uh, guide therapy for individual patients. So today uh, I'm going to talk about the potential role of circulating tumor DNA as a prognostic biomarker for patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma undergoing autologous stem cell transplantation. So currently the standard of care for patients who fail first-line therapy uh, for DLBCL, if they're fit, is salvage chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplant if they can achieve a remission. And right now, the tool that we use most to guide therapy for these patients is a pre-transplant positron emission tomography scan, or PET scan. And we know from a number of studies um, over the last decade or so that PET is actually a very good prognostic marker for these patients. Patients who achieve a complete response have quite good outcomes with some studies suggesting a long-term progression-free survival of 60 to 70% for that favorable chemosensitive group of patients. Patients who achieve a partial response on their pre-transplant PET scan can be cured with autologous transplantation, but their long-term progression-free survival is significantly worse than patients who achieve a CR, probably ranging somewhere between 20 to 40%. And clearly for patients with a PR, selection matters. So uh, patients um, who have very little residual disease on PET are probably likely to do better. Currently, there are multiple ongoing phase three trials that are comparing this approach, salvage chemotherapy followed by autologous transplantation, to treatment with uh, CAR T-cell therapies. Um, And I think the lymphoma community is very excited to see the results of these trials. But I think regardless of the results of these trials, autologous transplantation will likely still have a role for at least some patients with DLBCL. So I think there's still a lot of interest in identifying uh, prognostic tools that can better guide therapy for this subset of patients. And perhaps circulating tumor DNA could identify patients who are likely to do extremely well with autologous transplantation, um, even better than CAR T-cell therapy, if one of those or more of those phase three trials is positive. So I think there's a strong uh, rationale to having better prognostic tools for transplant. Transplant is um, a toxic intervention. Patients are in the hospital for multiple weeks, and there is, you know, a few percent of patients will die from transplant-related toxicity. So it's really a tool that we'd like to use uh, selectively, specifically for patients who are most likely to benefit. So circulating tumor DNA is an emerging, very promising biomarker in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And so far, there are two techniques, um, two primary techniques that have been used to um, quantify and assess circulating tumor DNA. One is immunoglobulin-based next-generation sequencing. So this takes advantage of the fact that um, B-cell lymphomas have uh, a uniform immunoglobulin sequence. Um, We think that they originated from a single B-cell clone, and and all subsequent uh, cancer cells share the same immunoglobulin sequence. 
In reality, some uh, patients with DLBCL will have um, several immunoglobulin sequences, but it's a limited number that can be followed. Um, uh, so basically, you look for the clonotype or the uh, cancer's immunoglobulin sequence on a baseline tumor sample, and then you can follow that clonotype or clonotypes on subsequent assessments uh, from blood. So this technique has been used and uh, seems to be uh, prognostic in patients receiving first-line therapy. A uh, more recent technique is uh, CAPSEQ, which is a panel-based next-generation sequencing approach, which basically takes advantage of the fact that DLBCL uh, has, tends to have frequent mutations in uh, a number of, of different genes, so can, can look for mutations in those genes, um, again, from a baseline tissue sample and from subsequent peripheral blood samples to try to identify minimal residual disease for patients with DLBCL. So, right, uh, so there's not a lot of information to guide us in this specific clinical setting for patients undergoing autologous transplantation, but this year at ASH, um, I reported a study that, that we did at my institution and with a few other collaborating institutions that looked at the prognostic value of circulating tumor DNA using the immunoglobulin-based next-generation sequencing uh, technique for patients undergoing autologous transplantation. So uh, there were about 150 patients um, who underwent autologous transplantation in this study. And we were able to detect a clonotype using adaptive biotechnologies, immunoglobulin-based next-generation sequencing uh, technique, clonoseq, um, in about 110 patients. And we, for a subset of patients, we had a pre-transplant stem cell sample um, that we were able to analyze for circulating tumor DNA. And for another subset of patients, we had uh, serial post-transplant surveillance plasma samples where we were able to look you know, at multiple different time points to see if there was circulating tumor DNA detected from those samples. Um, so there were in total 96 patients who had a pre-transplant stem cell sample to assess, and we found evidence of uh, minimal residual disease in 23 of those patients. So about a quarter of patients had um, evidence of minimal residual disease using this assay. And when we looked at progression-free survival, those patients did much, much worse than patients who were MRD negative. So the five-year progression-free survival for MRD positive patients was 13%. Uh, versus 52% for the uh, MRD negative patients. And not surprisingly, the poor outcomes in the MRD positive group were really driven by uh, high rates of relapse. Um, and I think this data suggests that um, we really need to explore alternative treatment approaches for patients who are MRD positive. Um, so I think what we're working on now is a clinical trial that would um, use CAR T-cell therapy instead of transplant for these patients who um, are MRD positive within their stem cell sample uh, pre-transplant. Obviously, collecting stem cells is, is not as simple as a peripheral blood test. So ideally, we could use MRD from peripheral blood to guide this decision. Uh, and in our cohort of about 150 patients, we had a very small subset about uh, I think 13 or 14 patients who had a pre-transplant plasma sample available. And within that small group of patients, the results from plasma and the stem cell collection seemed to be very similar. Um, I think 11 out of 12 patients who had both sample types available had concordant results. 
So I think, uh, you know, going forward, another interest would be seeing if uh, peripheral blood, like plasma sample, could be used instead of stem cell samples uh, to help guide therapy in this setting. So uh, to summarize, I think ctDNA is a very promising assay uh, that, that uh, can identify patients at a high risk of relapse who are undergoing autologous transplantation. Right now, it's not, we're not ready yet to use this in the clinical setting um, outside of a clinical trial to guide patient decisions in this setting. But I'm hopeful that, that these results um, can spur clinical trials that use MRD in the pre-transplant setting to help guide therapy with the goal of identifying alternative treatments like CAR T-cell therapy that may uh, result in better outcomes for these high-risk patients who are MRD positive uh, when they're being considered for autologous transplantation. Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.